You have tuned in to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet, a radio show about jazz drummer Paul Modian with readings from his writings. And today, for the first time, I have a live guest uh, via Skype, and that will be uh, guitarist Bill Frizzell. And he will join us at about 10.30 a.m., and I would like to thank my sponsor, The Leather Bench in Camden, right on Main Street. And if you have questions or comments for the show, uh, I have a Facebook page open. You can post there, or you can give me a call here in the studio, um, only when music is playing, please. And that's 207-593-0013. Um, so I want to dedicate today's show to a friend of mine who passed away yesterday, uh, Mr. Steve Alsup. Um, he was a great blacksmith, a great thinker, and a great jazz listener. And um, he listened to my show, and he really um, encouraged me about it in the beginning. And uh, I'm glad I got to know him. So um, last week, if you remember, I played live at Ryle's uh, Boston Jazz Club. And this was only the second performance of the Paul Modian Trio with Bill Frizzell and Joe Lovano. And they um, actually played the night before as well. And so now Vince Gabriel has kindly digitized that cassette tape for me. So I'm going to be featuring the night before last week's show. But I've got some of, the, um, I still have some of the other CD to play. And uh, with the interview and everything, I, really, I think this topic's going to take up three shows. So... Um, I'll have more for you uh, next week. And um, I, I'm going to start out with Carnival. Um, this is a Palmodian composition that I started out with last week. But this is the version from September 25th, 1984. And this tune Paul played for a while live, and it never got recorded on an album, so it, it's really great to have this tape
That was Carnival, a Palmodian composition, played live by the Palmodian Trio with Joe Lovano and Bill Frizzell in 1984 at uh, Ryle's Boston Jazz Club. And um, I, I think the recording, this one also was recorded without Dolby on the cassette, And uh, but I think the recording of this night is a little bit cleaner. Um, there's still a little bit of noise here and there, but... Um, and um, when I got home last week, I got an email from uh, Chuck Brahman, who was listening to the show. And he is a jazz drummer who lives, I believe, in the New York City area. Um, and I'm going to read you. He said I could read a little bit of the email that he sent to me. Hi, Cindy. I'm a jazz drummer who was a casual friend of Paul's for 30 or so years. I would guess that I heard him perform live at least a few hundred times, if not more. In any case, I was present both of those nights at Ryle's in 1984. My memory was that the first night, September 25th, was absolutely incredible, and that the second night, September 26th, was a big disappointment compared to the first. I sat next to the fan who recorded both nights. On the first night, Paul noticed the fan recording without his permission, which he didn't approve of, and demanded that he turn over the tape to him at the end of the night, which the fan did. The second night, the fan continued to record, but did so without Paul noticing, and he made a copy of his cassette of the second night for me. Despite my initial low assessment of the quality of the second night versus the first, over the next several years, I came to treasure my tape of the second night as one of the very best recordings of Paul and my favorite recording of the trio. I didn't keep my possession of the tape a secret from Paul, by the way, and in fact, I'm fairly sure the copy that was passed down to you was a copy of my copy that I made for Paul, and the fact of it being third generation uh, may be why Paul's notes say that it wasn't recorded well. And um, this turned out to be totally true. Um, I looked in the cassette and there was a note tucked in there uh, from Chuck to Paul. Um, I've always wondered what became of the tape of the first evening that Paul seized from the fan. Did Paul save it? And did he pass it down to you? I.e., does it exist? In my imagination... It seems like it might be the holy grail, considering how incredibly good the music on the second night was, which listening to the recording versus my much lower regard for the music of the second night when attending both performances. Um, so you, I guess uh, you're going to be able to judge for yourself what you think of that. Um, there's, a couple, there's a few tunes that are the same, and there's a few tunes that are different um, from each night. And... Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. But then when I read that, I was like, do I have that tape? And because um, I have th I had th three tapes, actually, of Riles and um, and I started looking and then I remember and then I remembered that um, Vince still had a few cassettes of my of mine that he was copying for me. And I looked and it was on the list and. Vince graciously uh, copied that for me really quickly this week. So thanks, Vince. And now I'm going to play uh, a bunch of different versions of It Should Have Happened a Long Time Ago. Um, I'm sorry, from It Should Have Happened a Long Time Ago. I'm going to play In the Year of the Dragon. First um, version is from It Should Have Happened a Long Time Ago, which was recorded just a couple of months before this um, Riles gig. And then right after that, I'm going to play 
the um, performance that they did of it on September 25th. Thank you. 
Wasn't that great? I uh, hear Paul laughing at the very end there just a bit. So that was um, In the Year of the Dragon, a Palmodian composition from Live at Riles on September 25th, 1984. And everything we've heard so far is Joe Lovano on tenor saxophone, Bill Frizzell on guitar, and Paul Modian on drums. Um, I'm going to play two more versions of In the Year of the Dragon. I hope it's not too much, but I think there's enough variety in the recordings. So um, uh, first I want to remind you that you are listening to Community Radio, WRFR, 93.3 FM, Rockland, Maine, and streaming online at WRFR.org. And um, so I'm going to start with In the Air of the Dragon from the next night, September 26th. And then I'm going to play a version that I really like that is on Charlie Hayden's The Montreal Tape CD. Um, and that was recorded in 1989. So.
That was a live recording from the Montreal tapes, from the Montreal uh, Jazz Festival of 1989. And that was released in 1997 on Polydor Records in France um, in the Year of the Dragon, a Palmodian composition performed by Charlie Hayden on bass, Jerry Allen on piano, and Paul Modian on drums. And if you didn't know about it, there is a Charlie Hayden Memorial Concert next Tuesday in New York City. And uh, it is a free event, which is, I think, pretty incredible. I bet it's going to be really crowded. Um, There's a post on my Facebook page and also on my blog, um, jazzcloset.blogspot.com, if you want to get more details about it, if you can attend. And, um, and Paul really loved both Charlie Hayden and Jerry Allen. And, uh, he told me that Jerry Allen is a beautiful person. And, um, and before that we heard in the year of the dragon live at Riles from September 26th, 1984. So, um, I, I hope that was okay. I played the 925 version and the 926 and there, you know, there's some, definitely some differences, um, next, I'm going to read kind of a random page from uh, Paul's autobiography, um, but just something that I really liked. So, um, and this is in a chapter about um, traveling to Philadelphia to play a gig. This is at the end of it. He wrote this. After the Philadelphia experience, I was visiting my aunt, Victoria, in Franklin, Massachusetts. And yes, that is who the song Victoria is named for. Hey, Auntie, I got a new girlfriend. But Auntie, I think she's a little nuts. I don't think I should carry on with the relationship. Ha ha, that's great. What do you mean that's great? Yes, that's wonderful. She's crazy and you're a little crazy yourself. That's good? Sure it is. Both of you will laugh and laugh and continue laughing throughout life. You'll enjoy life. Okay, Auntie, anything you say, I'm sure you will always give me the best advice I could have. (laughs) And to take us to the top of the hour, I'm going to play uh, Yala, another Palmodian composition. Um, And Yala is an Armenian and also kind of a general Middle Eastern greeting. and it kind of means, come on, hurry up, let's go. And I've, I've played this, bef- uh, I've played the tune before. I think I played it on my first show. And um, so um, this is Charlie, ha- I'm sorry, Joe Lovano, tenor saxophone, Bill Frizzell, guitar, and Paul Modian on drums. And um, I want to remind you that in the second half of the show, we will have uh, guitarist Bill Frizzell in for as a guest, and we're just going to be chatting. It isn't really an interview, and um, and that will be at about ten thirty.
Welcome back to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. This is your host, Cindy McGurl. I would like to thank my sponsor, The Leather Bench in Camden, right on Main Street. The studio phone is 207-593-0013 if you have a question or comment. You can call during the music. And um, I also have my Facebook page open, uh, which is uh, Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. You can post comments and questions there as well. And so in about half an hour, we're going to have guitarist Bill Frizzell on. And I'm really excited that he's taking time out of his busy schedule to chat with us. Um, Not really sure what we're going to talk about. I guess we'll talk a little bit about this Live at Riles that we're playing and just about Paul. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what comes up. So I'm going to... um, start the second half of the show with a few versions of It Should Have Happened a Long Time Ago. That's an ECM recording, and it was recorded um, just before this Riles gig in August of 1984, but it didn't come out until, um, I think, it w- well into 1985. And um, so I found in Paul's notebook a little thing um, about... possible lyrics for It Should Have Happened a Long Time Ago. And this is something that I've come across on a a few different occasions. Sometimes Paul wrote down lyrics for different tunes. Um, I don't know, just I think just to help him get the melody going, or I don't know, I'm not sure why, but um, this is what he wrote. And it's, Marianne was her name. She only was my fame. And she became my fame. And that was my fame, and only she was my fame. And then it says it should have happened a long time ago. So uh, I don't know. I think he was just playing around, but I thought it was kind of interesting. So first off, I'm going to play the version that is from the um, released CD. Then I'm going to play the version on September 25th, 1984. And then the version that was on um, September 26th, 1984. And all three tunes are Joe Lovano, tenor saxophone, Bill Frizzella on guitar, and Paul Modian on drums.
You just heard three versions of It Should Have Happened a Long Time Ago, a Palmodian composition, um, all recorded in 1984 with Joe Lovano, Bill Frizzell, and Palmodian. And I want to remind you that you are listening to WRFR Community Radio, Rockland, Maine, 93.3 FM. We are a low-power station, and we are streaming online at wrfr.org. And um, while I'm setting up um, the Skype to talk to Bill, hopefully it's all going to work, I'm going to play Rambler from uh, Bill Frizzell's first uh, CD as leader, um, and that is called Rambler as well. And that was also recorded in August of 1984, and it's on ECM Records. Kenny Wheeler on trumpet, Bill Frizzell on guitar, Bob Stewart on tuba, Jerome Harris on electric bass, and Paul Modian on drums. And um, I do want to thank Joe, our esteemed station manager, for helping me test out Skype on her show on Monday uh, to make sure it all worked. She has unending patience, I think. <laughs> so um, here we go with Rambler.
So we are um, live in the studio, and we have uh, Mr. Bill Frizzell on Skype. And uh, why don't you say something, Bill, so we can see if it's working. Hi. How's it going, Cindy? Or am I... Can you hear me? Uh, oh, yeah. It sounds like it's... All right. Something's not right. It sounds like feedback. Oh, I'm getting a very loud echo. Yeah, I hear you. Oh. I wonder if... Um, oh, now it seems good now for me, too. Well, I'm excited to be here. That's great. <laughs> oh. Um... Well, I mean, what you just said about, I mean, that's pretty flattering for him to say that about me, because that's what, living in the moment, I mean, that's what was such an inspiration for me, being around him, you know, it was, uh, I think more than, I, I, I shouldn't say more than anybody I ever played with, but because it's what you're always hoping for but but every moment we played i felt like we were on the edge of not knowing really what was going to happen next you know every it, it's just incredible when i think how much time we spent playing together you know over 30 years and and i swear i'm not exaggerating that every minute we played he kept me somehow i was on edge like oh my god what is he gonna do next you know and and i that is just i mean that's what i hope for in music all the time because you know you're always the whole deal with it is that you don't you just keep moving on through it or you keep looking for the next thing and he was such a such an inspiration in that way um so if he heard any of that at all in me it probably was just rubbing off from what he was doing i guess trying to keep up so um i don't know if people can hear me through the skype thing but um bill gets feedback uh when i have the boom on so um but i'm going to cuz i don't think you can hear me otherwise so um, so that was a that was really neat to hear, and um, you can still hear me, Bill. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Um, so um, I I was we were talking a little bit before we went on the air about some of the tunes that um, are on these live at Riles um, CDs, and this was only the second performance of the trio um, that was in the United States, and you toured once in Europe. Um, that in 1984 as a trio and was that you know Paul writes about it he was like really excited was it as exciting um, while you were doing it like did you guys feel like right away that the trio was a great thing yeah 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 and, and um, but it was very oh boy I'm trying to remember at the you know my feeling at the very beginning there was this feeling of everything opening up 
and a lot of extra freedom, I guess. It it I, I had that feeling, but then I also I remember early on musically the feeling was I had sort of a feeling of panic, like I had to fill in this is something that really changed over time. Like at the very beginning, I think we maybe all had to learn to not be a, afraid of that space. I, 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 I'm just speaking for myself. Like I, I remember at the beginning, I, I felt like I had to, if there was a silence, I had to put something in there or I had to play a low note because there wasn't a bass or there was almost a feeling of panic a little bit early on. And as we played more, that just kept getting, the trust kept growing and growing and the comfort level with allowing all that space to just be there. And it was amazing the way it you'd start hearing like even on my own guitar there was frequencies and and notes that became clear that aren't clear in a larger group you know it made it there was just a lot more room or or the drums would sound different where you'd hear the bass drum would become this a real distinct orchestral instrument um, and so well it was just a it just kept evolving I guess the whole time but I remember at the beginning I was more I was a little bit more <laughs> afraid of it or something at the same time as being super excited too um, yeah well it sounds to me like the um, when you play especially the Jack of Clubs song on these on these k tapes that um you so it's so smooth the way you go from like one person having a solo to another person having a, having a solo um and um like you were saying before you play some of the songs so many times um but i, I want to mention a few of the songs that never got recorded but we get to hear on these tapes uh trinkle tinkle from Thelonious Monk um re person i knew from Bill Evans and uh, Carnival, which is the uh, Palmodian tune. Do you want to say anything about those? It's now my memory is, I mean, I do remember playing them, but um, it's, uh, it, well, even a lot, a lot of the ones that we did record, my memory is a little vague on some of them, you know, because I don't really go back and listen to the, records or and now you have all these you know the the live things i haven't really heard much of that stuff at all but i definitely remember those the, the ones that you mentioned and then the ones that we did play there's certain ones that sort of became uh you mentioned jack of clubs and yala and it should have happened a long time ago there's certain ones that we played they just seem to become, I don't know what you'd call it, more like a, over all the years we played, we would always come back to them and they would always keep keep evolving and uh, 
Like that Jack of Clubs has so much. He he had an amazing way of writing. Uh, it gave you so much room, but to to there was so much freedom, but then it gave you so much material to get started with. Like it, like a lot, a lot of the tunes were like these catapults. It would catapult you into some area or that you'd never been before. I don't know how to, it's, that was an amazing thing with the, his writing could be, it's like a little germ of something that, is very distinct and clear and unique unto itself, but then it would sort of push the band off into these different directions and not the same direction every time we played it either. So that, that was, I don't know. There's some genius in that, I think. Yeah. I think the, um, the writing, you know, Paul's writing, I've really come to appreciate it since I've been, uh, you know, just putting the archive together and uh, listening to different stuff and just not, I'm not a music person, but the different versions of the songs and uh, yeah, you can be so creative um, within the, within the composition. And um, I think that's really unique. And uh, yeah. yeah, it still has a each have their own kind of imprint, like a, a world that they create, but then it doesn't, it's not like playing a, a Broadway show or something, you know, where, you, where it has to be exactly the same way every time. It, it always, it just allows for exploration, I guess. Yeah, how do you think that um, Paul's composing into, um, influenced your composing? I know like on Rambler, these are all your own compositions. Had you been writing music right along from when you first started playing, or? Well, no. I mean, it was much later that I started or started to get confidence. Really, I mean, I'd been writing music for a while before that Rambler, but really, that actually that was uh, that was really. I, I guess you it's maybe my second album as a as a leader that rambler record and um oh i thought it was your first it's your second no, yeah there's one i did one album before that that's mostly just solo guitar and and also errol anderson plays bass on it um but that one was in a way it feels like my first because it was the first time when i was sort of quote unquote in charge or you know I, where I wrote all the music and had a actual group of people that I was presenting the music to and so it was really a huge stepping stone for me um, and to have Paul there was like a, another blessing Actually, originally, that was, I don't know if I should, how much, well, no, I can say this. Originally, Paul was not to be the drummer on that album, and it was Al Foster was, had, I had 
there was plans for him to be on the album and which so there was Al Foster who I'd never played with Kenny Wheeler who I knew a little bit we barely met and then Jerome Harris who I knew and Bob Stewart who I'd also never played with and then at the very last minute uh, for some business reasons, very, very last minute, Al Foster wasn't able to do it. And um, this is, I think, just literally days before the album was supposed to be recorded. Uh-huh. And, th- and this was during a time when Paul was, that was also something that Paul was doing that was really inspiring to me. When I first met him, when he started when we started playing together he had really committed to just playing his own music and had started turning down all kinds of offers for all sorts of things i witnessed him sit <laughs> with joe and i used to call him chief no no or <laughs> you know he would he would just he wouldn't do other gigs cuz he was he really felt like okay, it's time, I want to really establish my own band and my own music. And so I I had no, it wasn't even in my mind that he would, I, I didn't even ask him to play, but I called him sort of in a panic right after I found out that Al Foster wasn't able to do it. And I, you know, I called him, I said, oh man, what am I going to do? I have this recording <laughs> I didn't even think he, he would I wasn't even thinking to ask him and I, but I'm, uh-huh. I'm kind of flipping out I'm like oh my god you know what am I going to do what can I who, who can I get or what and he goes oh man I'll do it you know I'll play oh, <laughs> I was like yeah. what you know and it was like incredible it was I was so happy it was like a and it and then that was like a and then of course you know his relationship so then i called manfred eicher who was producing the album and i and i said you know i got into this bind al can't do it and but paul said he would do it and and same manfred was like oh wow that's great you know uh-huh. so it was just it was like a real blessing that and then to have him there as this ally when i was i was so nervous i remember walking into the studio and just with all this music, I didn't know how it was going to work or what was going to happen. And just to have him there as an ally was, was amazing for me. So when you played together, um, it, it kind of sounds to me like Paul was, I mean, he was the quote leader a lot of times, but it seemed like he really allowed the rest of the band to sort of step up to yeah di- that's what for sure it, it always he's the that it, that's another thing it's a it's a i don't know how that works but i always felt like it was my band <laughs> you know you know or it, it feels the the amount of from the first time we played i always felt like the reason he wanted me there was to be myself to the fullest you know he didn't want me to he wasn't trying to box me in or or 
he didn't have some well I'm sure he had some idea about what he wanted me to do or what he liked but he it it never it never put any constraints on me it always made me the whole time I always felt like it was my job to be as much like myself as I could be so that that way also that's what kept it alive all that time but then at the same time you know he was he was clearly the leader he was the bringing in the music and and just his presence and well of course his playing was what was leading the thing but it, it was weird a, a few times sometimes i would play he would have me play things by myself that was really wild to feel that like how when i was with him when i played alone it gave me a certain kind of confidence or I would play in a certain way, even if he wasn't playing the drums, just uh -huh. the fact that he was there, I would play in a certain way and I would, and I would think, Oh wow, that's me doing this. Right. But then I'd get into a different situation where he's not there. I'll just, I'm somewhere else. And I, and I would remember what that was and think that I could, maybe play the same thing or do some, and it, it wouldn't be there anymore. It was like, so it's like, I'm, I'm saying even when he, it was just, he had such a strong presence that whether he was playing or not, it was impacting the music. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think that's why he uh, loved playing with you guys with the trio. Cause everybody, was themselves and um, I remember some, sometimes he complained to me about um, gigs where he said I hate it when people just follow me and they don't do their own thing and um, and he would say I'd rather they do their own thing and it's not good than just follow me <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, yeah that's really interesting yeah and I was I was I was um, you know introduction is as a guitar solo um, on oh, yeah. it should have happened a long time ago. Was that the first time? Um, was that something you played by yourself live a lot? Well, then, did well, then I don't think we did that live very much. Actually, yeah. much later when I I did some gigs with Paul and Ron Carter, then we started playing that song again. Mm -hmm. I recorded. I think yeah, we recorded it. Yeah, I think in that's that trio. Yeah, that's my favorite recording of Introduction, I think, and that album you did with Ron Carter. Yeah, I just love that song. and We hadn't played it for a long time prior to that. And and then also on that, on the Psalm record, there's a Etude, that song I played by myself. It seemed like early on there would be, on all those records, he'd have some little moment that he would have me play something by myself. Uh-huh. Can't remember exact. I think there might even be some on maybe one of those soul note records or something. Yeah, I, I think I could I knew he it, I don't know, you know, I could tell he just liked he liked the guitar. That was <laughs> that helped me too. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, I think he really, um, yeah, he. I think I read something before about how he stopped using the bells and other percussions so much um, when he brought a guitar into the group because he, oh, he yeah. felt like it filled that space and he didn't need the um, he didn't need the bells and stuff. Oh right, when he was playing with the his the trio with Charles Brackeen and. I guess he played. He used a lot more. Yeah, percussion he he did. Stuff. He used a lot more um, stuff. Well, we're almost um, we're almost to the top of the hour already. Um, do you want to say anything else, Bill? Oh, I can, <laughs> wow! I don't. I, you know, it's like such a large, such a huge part of my life. You know, when I think played with Paul for like 30 years so there's a lot of stuff in there to yeah well maybe, maybe um, we could, yeah we could do it again sometime if yeah, you want yeah let's do it again sometime and um, I'm gonna play introduction from um, it should have happened a long time ago to take us to the top of the hour well thank you so much for this show it's so great you're doing this it's oh, amazing well thank you for all your support I'm uh, 